0: Praise the Lord. Today for the meditation of scriptures, let us open the Bibles and turn to Psalm 50. Psalm 50 is the Psalm of Asaf and the overall theme of the Psalm is that a godly living has to result from true worship before God. This psalm was probably written on the occasion of a feast day of Israel when the people of Israel were spending time in meditation and in introspecting their own lives to see if they were according to the will of God, according to the purpose of God. Most probably this was written for uh, service during the feast of the tabernacles. But we realize this one thing. In this psalm, God presents himself as the judge and he delivers his indictment against two kinds of or two categories of people one God's anger is revealed towards the people who come before him and worship him without their heart being in it worshiping him out of a habit the second thing is in verses uh, 16 till 21 we see that God's anger is shown against the hypocritical sinners who just consider worship to be a disguise in order to protect them from or to cover up their sin Finally, the psalmist closes with a warning to the wicked as well as a promise to the true worshipper. Let us look at each of these sections one by one and I pray that the Lord will speak into our hearts to consider our ways with the word of God as the true mirror on which the Lord is showing to us our spiritual conditions and may we humbly submit ourselves to the word of God and be corrected by the Lord himself. The first portion of the psalm talks about the holy judge of Israel, that is the Lord Yahweh himself. Now human judges are called honorable etc. But here the judge is called the mighty one, The Sam starts like this, the mighty one, the God, the Lord speaks and summons the earth from rising of the sun to its setting. The scene that is depicted here is that of a judge that is calling his courtroom to order and he says here, out of Zion the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. God is the righteous God, he is the holy God, he is the beautiful God, and it is in that position that the Lord comes to judge the heavens, uh, judge the people of the earth. And he says here in verse 3, our God comes, he does not keep silence, before him is a devouring fire, around him is a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Dearly beloved, what we understand from this setting is the Lord God he is the judge, he is the prosecutor and he is the jury. He knows all about those who are actually on trial. He calls the heavens and the earth in order to witness the proceedings and they shall be the witnesses. When he enters the courtroom scene, what is uh, it, it is supposed to remind us that this is a glorious God before we have to stand one day. The awesomeness or that awe of judgment is supposed to come into our hearts. Here he says, Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is the judge. Dearly beloved, we need to first of all understand that God is not just our father, he is not just a benevolent person who is acting on our behalf, but he also is a judge. That is one function of God, that is an attribute of God. Justice is an attribute of God. Yes, he is a holy God and he hates sin. Yes, he is a just God and therefore he must judge sin but he is also a loving God that he sent his son Jesus Christ here to die for us. But we need to be conscious of all these attributes of the Lord so that we will order our lives and walk in a manner that is worthy of him. Now, God is a judge and in order to do right judgment, judgment has to also begin with his own people. He's got to first judge his own people and set their rights, their lives right in order to uh, complete his judgment of the Gentiles and the people who do not know him as well. And we recognize that some people have sinned. We have sinned. He has been long suffering with them and he has been silent about the matter. But many people, what They do or what we ourselves sometimes do is that we interpret his silence as assent or consent. But now the time has come for the holy God to speak. This is a time that God is not going to judge and condemn the sinners but he is going to expose their sins and he is going to give them an opportunity to repent and return to the Lord. And the verses that follow tells us very clearly as to what are the sins that the Lord is shining his light upon in verses 7 to 15 we see that god's anger is demonstrated in those verses towards the people who are heartless worshippers or people who are worshipping without their heart being in it they are far from god they are worshipping probably by habit they are worshipping with their lips but not with their heart it is not out of a love and devotion for the lord that they are actually coming before the lord in worship and verse 7 says "Hear, O my people I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. The vantage point from which the Lord is speaking towards the nation of Israel is saying that you are my people. He is first of all giving a word of correction towards the people who are his very own people. His covenant community is being addressed here. And God says, I will testify against you. Now God is a father God and his delight is in his people and yet he also corrects his children. As we, as uh, earthly children, we need discipline from our parents. As we, as parents, when we go about dealing with our children, we sometimes correct them and uh, sometimes discipline them in love. We need to understand that same way our God also functions with us. He says, I'm going to testify against you for I am your God. And he continues to say many things that establishes the fact that his interest is not in the literal sacrifice that they are bringing, but his interest is in their heart. Is your heart right with God? The Lord is speaking to those people who are indeed his people, but their hearts are not in worship. Their devotion is faithful but it is only routine it is like the church at ephesus they had left their first love and that warm devotion that they had towards god and they were worshiping the lord out of habit and not from their hearts outwardly they were doing what the lord had commanded and they were offering daily sacrifices but inwardly they lacked love and fellowship with the lord they forgot that god wanted their hearts before he wanted their sacrifices and this is one theme that runs through the Old Covenant and the New Covenant that the Lord is looking at the heart of people rather than their actual sacrifices that they are bringing. Because if your heart is right with God, God is going to accept the sacrifices and if your heart is right with God, you are going to bring the right sacrifices before Him. Now, the sacrifices that the Lord had commanded were indeed important to the spiritual life of the nation. But They were not of any benefit to the worshippers unless there was faith in their heart and unless they brought the sacrifices out of a desire to honor God. What God is saying in these verses, verses uh, 8 until 13, is that everything that they bring as a sacrifice is created by God and naturally it belongs to God. And the world and everything in it belongs to Him. You cannot add anything to God. There is nothing that we can actually contribute to the Godhead. What the Lord wants from his people is thanksgiving from their heart, obedience to his word, prayer, and a desire to honor him in everything. But the Lord does not want us to be ritualistic or formal in our worship. He wants the worship that comes from our heart. That's why he says in verses 14 to 15, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High God and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Sometimes we need to come back to the heart of worship rather than the form of worship. Let's come back to the spirit of worship and let us offer to the Lord a sacrifice, number one, of thanksgiving. Number two, perform what is a reasonable sacrifice to him. Perform your vows to the Almighty God. Thirdly, call upon him in the day of trouble, verse 15, and the Lord says, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. This is what the Lord wants from his worshippers. This is the true worship of God in spirit and in truth. And finally, he comes to the section of verse 16 to 21, where the Lord pours out his anger on the hypocritical sinners. Now, the message here is addressed to the wicked. And it says here, to the wicked, God says, what right have you to cite my statutes or take my covenant upon your lips? He was addressing the wicked people within the Israelite community who were reciting the creed with their lips, but they were deliberately disobeying God's law. And after breaking the law of the Lord, they would go into the sanctuary and act very religious so that they could cover up their sins. They in fact helped to make the sanctuary a den of thieves. What is a den of thieves? It's a place where the thieves go and hide after they have committed their wicked deeds. And they thought the sanctuary was a place where they could run and after committing all the sins and after being unrighteous, they could just put on a garb of religiosity and hide up the sins underneath that. They were hypocritical people whose uh, sins were exposed now before god and god was pouring out his anger on those he's asking them what right have you to take my statutes and take my covenant upon your lips now if you look at this category of people god is talking about the people who are actually religious here they are going about the motions both the ca- categories of people that are addressed in this psalm are part of israel Number one was the people whose hearts were distant from God. Number two were the kind of people uh, who who were religious externally. But it it was almost out of a hypocritical and the intention actually was not good. For them it was more to cover up their sins. It was like a disguise for their sins. Here, what are the characteristics of these people that the Lord is speaking forth here? Verse 17 says, You hate discipline. The wicked people who are hypocritical sinners... One of the characteristics is their attitude towards God and they hate the discipline of God. And now God is a father, definitely as a father chastises and disciplines his son, so God does for each one of us. But the the people who are termed as wicked here hate the discipline of God. Secondly, the word says, verse 17, and you cast my words behind you. Their attitude towards the word of God was that they rejected the word of God. They rejected the instruction from God. And they cast the word of God behind them. Meaning they considered it to be unprofitable for them. They were very selective in choosing what they, they actually accepted. And if they didn't find an instruction or a word that pleased them, they will cast it behind them. And the word says here, verse 18, it was the attitude that they had towards sinners. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and if you and you keep company with the adulterers, they were people who approved of the sin, sinful lives of many people, and they appeared publicly before many, uh, along with many of these sinners. They were giving an approval to the sinful life of many people through their lives. Now these are not old covenant sins, these are new covenant sins also and if we also uh, go after these sins or if we approve of those people who do them, we are also siding along with the sinners. Verse 19-20 to speaks about the usage of their tongues and what is the word saying here? You give your mouth a free reign for evil and your tongues frame deceit. You sit and speak against your brother and you slander your own mother's son. God is very clear in giving his indictment against all these sins. Here the usage of the tongue of these evil people is actually condemned. And God says, you are sitting and speaking evil against your brother. You are slandering your own mother's son the nation of israel had fallen terribly instead of being a covenant community that was filled with the love of god and where the they loved the neighbor as themselves what was happening is the covenant community was at war with each other and they were slandering each other even to the extent that a person's own family became enemies with themselves and the lord was saying this as a constant rebuke on the attitude of the wicked people dearly beloved and he says here The silence of God is again mentioned here. These things you have done and I have been silent. Verse 21. A very strong verse. These things you have done and I have been silent. God is long suffering with the sinners. But the wicked people interpreted the silence of God as his approval. And their thinking was so confused that this verse says, You thought I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and I lay the charge before you. Their thinking about God and themselves and the word of God was so confused that they ended up manufacturing or creating a God in their own image. They created a God in their mind who approves of everything that they do and who disapproves of everything that they disapprove of. Rather, they were projecting their own image onto the God and the God that they were worshipping became a God of their own making. In other words, it became an image. It became less than God himself. And it is a great danger for every one of us, I believe. Because they had forgotten who the true God was. In their life of backsliding, in the in their life of apostasy, what happened was they forgot who God really was. And they had a false confidence that they could sin and get away with it. But dearly beloved, God is never mocked. Let us keep in mind that we are speaking about Christians here who have erred from their that pathway of life. It is possible that many of these people whom the Lord is speaking forth about here, many of these people could still be occupying pulpits, may still be having ministries, may still be revered as great and mighty men of God and women of God. Because the Lord has not hastened to correct them, because he has been silent, they think that they have his approval for their wicked ways. Remember, the Lord waits. Sometimes he waits for a very long time, but his waiting is so that he may be merciful to us and he gives people time to change and to repent. But verse 22 is a, it's a very careful reminder for the wicked. He says here, Mark this, then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. Mark this, then you who forget God, who is a sinner? A sinner is one who forgets that there is a God. Who is a sinner that is mentioned here because he is living as though there is no God. He says here, the psalmist says, mark this then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and I lay the charge before you. God limits a day when the time run outs, runs out and out. After that time runs out, there is no more grace that is available, but rather a fearful judgment awaits those who have presumed upon his goodness. Now the Lord is warning the people who are not walking uprightly, after the hardness and impenitency of the heart, it it treasures up. Like it says in Romans chapter 2 verse 5 and 6, the hard and impenitent heart treasures up unto itself wrath against the day of judgment. Dearly beloved, it is a time for us to look into our hearts and find out where we have strayed from the will and purposes of God. God is addressing those people who are walking away from God to turn back into the presence of God and to consider how we may please Him and how we may repent and how we may may walk in a manner of integrity before the Lord. And finally, the psalm ends with the verse which says, Verse 23, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way right, I will show the salvation of the Lord. Here the word of God is very clear in reminding us. The promise is there to the true worshipper. If you offer thanksgiving as the right sacrifice, then you shall glorify the Lord. And the Lord says, to the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of the Lord. To the one who orders his way, that means to the one who considers the word of God, who considers the will of God and who alters his life ways and his life direction to align himself with the will of God and with the word of God and with the purposes of God. To a person who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of the Lord. May the Lord help us through the meditation of these scriptures to worship the Lord from our heart not as a motion not by habit and to worship the lord not out of a hypocritical desire or a motive but rather to offer our right thanksgiving before the lord to offer our praise before the lord and to order our lives in a manner that the lord is pleased with our lives because soon he is coming and when he comes Let it not happen that he finds us lacking in any good thing, but rather let him find us as a community of people who are zealous for him and who are waiting upon his coming with holiness. May the Lord bless us through the meditation of these scriptures.